love again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You love back and it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It is Tuesday night, which means it's Liam Kennedy night. Good evening, Liam. Evening, all right. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, mate. I'm good. What's that uh, fancy little thing you've got on your name? I know. I just thought. I just thought there. Can I? Can I post a little emoji in? And I managed to. I managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> things you th- leave it in. Things you do. <laughs> things you do during lockdown. It just shows I'm observing anyway. At least I noticed it, mate. It's not a zebra, so that's not that's not a very good sign. It's it looks like a duck, is it, or a pigeon? What is it? It's a it's a little birdie, like tweet. That's how you get us on Twitter. Mate, okay, I like it. I like it. I like it, mate. I like it. Okay, as always, guys and girls, it's your chance to uh, ask. Liam, grill Liam, do whatever you want with Liam. Uh, plenty of questions, as always. Please stick them in the chat. Uh, give the video a like and give it a share and uh, help us build the community of NUFC Matters. We've got a competition tonight as well. Spider VPN are running a competition for you lucky people in the chat. Uh, we're going to give away uh, a VPN subscription for a year and uh, a router. Um, it'll be uh, a question which I'll throw out at half past six. Um the first five people with the correct answer will be stuck into a hat and Gareth Vardy, who is in the chat tonight from Spider VPN, will pick the winner out and let us know and he will contact you direct in the chat tonight and arrange fitting of the router and your subscription. So good luck with that. That'll be half past six. On to the first question. Peter Robson. Good evening, gents. A question for both of you. With all the negatives surrounding Ashley's tenure at the club, rightly so, can you actually think of any positives his ownership has had on the club? Liam? Every week we start every week we start with a really deep one, don't we? Mm-hmm. Like it's normally like Liam, what was your favourite game? What was your favourite what would you you love to love to cover? This one, has there been any positives from Mike Ashley's? I'll give you I'll give you one to start with. Um yeah. he hasn't he hasn't taken any interest off the loan. So essentially, um, you know, he came in, bought the club. Uh, obviously got shafted by the previous owners when he didn't do due diligence and realised there was a huge gaping hole in the finances, which of course put him behind before he'd even started. However, each loan that he has made to the club uh, from his own personal finances to get them through various stages over the last 13, 14 years, he says... And it does get backed up in the uh, in the finances in the in the you know the annual um, finances that are released uh, that he isn't claiming any interest. So there is a positive. At least he's not taking us for every single penny he can get. Well, Steve, I would go a little bit against you on that one. To be go honest, on then, because I don't think he needed to pay the money off in the first. place. I don't think he needed to pay that money off in the first place. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's needed to have kept the loan level so high over the mm-hmm. 14 years, because if he hadn't kept it so high and had steadily taken little bits back in time, an unprecedented time in Premier League football with the money coming in, he wouldn't be asking for so much for the football club and it wouldn't be so hard to sell. But I do agree with you financially. I think financially he has not allowed Newcastle United to run up a huge debt outside of his own debt. Yeah, we're not we're not in a Man United state, are we? We're not we're not you know. I mean, they must be close to a billion pound in debt. I mean, I think it was seven hundred and fifty million a couple of seasons ago. I mean, with interest, etc. Some of these clubs must be hemorrhaging money. Yeah, they are, and and that's that's the positive, really. It it is the the overall positive is that 
Um, when you're casting it, it is passed on to another owner, hopefully the owners that we all um, would like it to be, that it will not be a club that's saddled with debt. When, when the club does change hands, that debt to Mike Ashley will be paid and there aren't any other outstanding creditors effectively, apart from the odd little bit of uh, transfer stuff here and there, but nothing, nothing major. Um, and that's got to be the real positive of Mike Ashley's time is that, that the football club, um, as frustrating as that has been, um, as effectively run itself, um, but I do, I do wish that um, certain times the castle haven't spent money and he has taken money out, but the debts never decreased, um, and that's been the most frustrating thing. The only time he's ever decreased the debt himself is when he's had to increase it himself because of feelings of the football club uh, under his watch. So yeah, I, I would I would say it's a positive tinge with a lot, with still with with a certain degree of of negativity. Because that that um, frugal approach to, to running a football club, the the lack of um, benefactor, which ultimately um, you have to spend, you have to speculate to accumulate, you have to improve your lot to move forward as a football club. Newcastle United hasn't stagnated; it's it's been an accelerate, it's been accelerating in reverse effectively. It's been going backwards uh, significantly under Mike Ashley's tenure. Um, again, just look at comparisons, for example, clubs like Tottenham, uh, clubs like Everton. Uh, where they see themselves now, the kind of money that they bring on a commercial basis um, and the way that they run, just run in general. And you see Newcastle United is a poor, poor shadow of what even it was 10, 10 years ago. What about you then? Is there any other positives, Liam, that you can think of? Um, no, because ultimately I, I find I find it really difficult to go through it because let's, let's just take every every angle possible. Um, have we signed a lot of good players? No. Have we had a lot of good managers? No. Um, have we had a lot of seasons in Europe? Have we had a lot of high Premier League finishes? No. Um, I couldn't remember a relegation until 2009 in my lifetime. I've experienced two and it looks like I'm probably going to experience three. Some people will only know that. Um, that kind of yo-yo and up and down who are much younger than myself. Um, have there been any amazing... Have we won a trophy? No. Have we got close to winning a trophy? We're further away now than we've probably ever been since we last won a trophy to getting close. At least when Newcastle had teams outside of the division, at least they, they were fighting in the same corner. Everybody wanted the same thing and, and teams had half a chance. Players, squads, managers, whatever it may be. This Newcastle United uh, actively does not want to succeed. It does not want to progress in cup competitions. Um, it actively goes against that. Um, the biggest example of that in my opinion, was the uh, fifth place finish in the Vernon Anita summer, where it was just the one player signed when when it was a club that could really have taken massive strides forward in progression, but the club actively did not want to take those strides and ended up fighting relegation the season after. Quite an incredible, um, quite well, third relegation the season after. But that's that's Mike Ashley's Newcastle, and, and I, I really am racking my brains to think of any major positives, but I can I can only think of fleeting moments. Um, the reappointment of Rafa Benitez, but then he, he's, he's spoiled it all by letting him go again. Um, like I say, the fifth place finish, then spoiled it all again by not progressing as a club. Um, mm. Some players have been decent-ish players have been signed and been allowed to go, and big sales have been made. It's just it has not been a positive. <laughs> Especially time at some of his shops. <laughs> <laughs> it just hasn't been a positive time to be a Newcastle United fan, and, and and we all just I don't think a club um, and a fan base have, have longed for change probably ever as much as this fan base does now. 
Yep, I would agree. Okay, plenty of questions coming in, so uh, thanks uh, to all of you who contributed. We'll try and get through as many as possible. Gareth from Spider VPN says, Good evening, lads. I hope you're both well. Question, do you believe the rumours that Ashley has contacted Eddie Howe and Mark Hughes have any truth in them? I personally think Mark Hughes would be bad. What's your take on that? And uh, any news from your end? Well, all I'll say is that they are absolutely rumours at this point. Um, there's lots and lots of rumours go around and, and very few of them turn out to be actually true. Um, my understanding is that, that Steve Bruce has got the ultimate support of those people above. I think I think there is a, a, there is a good relationship between the, the people at the top of the club and Steve Bruce. Look, he's under pressure. Um, and, and, and if he keeps not getting results and you cast Nate to slip closer and closer, there are going to be some awkward conversations um, going on at Newcastle United, but I don't believe we're at that stage yet. So, um, just using that logic, I'd be very surprised if those conversations have taken place. What I would say is that conversations in football do take place before managers depart sometimes. So it wouldn't be out of character for a football club to be lining up his, their next appointment, especially in such a, a situation with um, so little time left in the season. But I just don't believe we're at that stage in Newcastle United at the moment. No, me neither. Uh, Tom Dixon says, great to see Callum Wilson back in light training outside, hopefully back soon to help us with our relegation battle. But Tom Lynch says, uh, what are your thoughts about Carlo De Bello's uh, comments earlier today, Liam? Well, it was, a, it was a comment piece she wrote for the Arab News yesterday. Um, and I think it makes for interesting reading. I don't know if anybody has seen it um, out there today. I, I did a piece on it. Um, a few people have been tweeting it out. It, it, we, we know that Carla de Bellos had, had um, some kind of uh, position within this deal, pulling things together, getting people around the table, brokering in some way, shape or form. Um, with regards to the Saudis, she has high connections within PIF. She has high connections within the Saudi hierarchy. Um, and she is talking largely about strategies and uh, thought processes about buying football clubs, sporting in, uh, sports institutions, she uses Manchester City as an example about how you can grow, uh, how you can grow a football club effectively, um, if done right. And, and she's talking a lot about uh, how strategies are in not just not just short termism, which is something that we're all talking about at the moment. We're talking about the idea of short termism. Does does a takeover die if Newcastle United become a second tier club? But she's talking a lot about about long term projects about buying into areas, locales, about buying, uh, about investing in people, investing in investing in morale. It was quite a really interesting reader. I, I would urge anybody out there to, to give it a look. I've done a story on it today. Have a look in the Shields Gazette. If not, just, just search for Carla DeBello and, and find out a piece in the Arab News because she tweeted out, and this is the most crucial part about it. You get the odd people doubting and saying, oh, uh, what are you doing a story about somebody tweeting again? What, like, that's pathetic. Look, she wrote a story on, on long-term strategies of buying football clubs um, in this current climate and tweeted it out. The only tweet that she's put out on that story was the link plus a black heart and a white heart together. Look, I don't think you have to be Inspector Clouseau to suddenly work out who she's pointing this at. She is deliberately pointing that at, at a tense fan base. She knows people at the, at the top of this deal and she's been involved in this deal. Believe it, don't believe it. It's entirely up to you. But I know exactly where that was pointed. And, and I know for certain she's exactly talking about Newcastle United. You can be certain of that virtually because why would she tweet it out as Newcastle United? Is she just fishing? Is she fishing for for, um, for attention? 
I mean, it's possible. She's been involved in reality TV. You know, had friends who've been involved in reality TV programs, not her herself. Um, I think that's almost an unfair label, and some people put just because she was a, and this is this is uh, where the link starts. A childhood friend of, of the Kardashians doesn't mean she's she's currently um, in the in the Kardashians show. She was a childhood friend, and she's a professional in, in her own right, um, a CEO of, of, of a company in the Middle East who makes these bridges and connections and brings finances to, uh, together, brings deals together, and that's what she's played a part in this PIF and PCP deal at Cass United. So for her to be saying something about that in the current climate and targeting it in the Cassie United fans, I don't have to be. I don't have to start to enjoy the dots on that, bro, because it's all there in front of you. It's, it, there's no dot joining needed. It's it, it's clearly it's clearly targeted in the Cassie United fans. Chipper says, "What do you make of the players saying that they want to win games? Yet Steve Bruce is saying the games are not must win. Does this show a divide in the dressing room between the players and the manager? There is a divide between the players and the manager." There's been a divide between the players and the manager for quite some time. Um, certain players don't like them. Certain players don't agree with them. Um, I think if you were to say there is a majority of them uh, sit in that camp that they either don't agree with them or don't uh, um, don't like him, um, don't like the way he's gone on, don't like his actions. Um, I don't think they've all. I don't think there's a there's a hate there or anything like that. And I do think they're still playing and they still want. They, I think the players still want to stay in this division. But there has, I would say, been a noticeable difference in the narrative that's been coming out of, say, for example, the Jamal Lascelles, that who's been talking post-match quite regularly recently, having scored goals, um, and, and the narrative of Steve Bruce, which is still very, very wishy-washy. Oh, there's six or seven clubs involved. Oh, there's lots of points to play for. There isn't Steve. There isn't six or seven. And there isn't a lot of points to play for. You need to book your ideas up. And I think I think there maybe has been a little bit of movement. I don't know this is a fact, but I think there maybe has been a bit of a movement from some of those senior players, Jamal Lascelles, we've talked on here, people have come on and asked questions saying he need to step up. I would argue he has stepped up in the last three or four weeks. Um, and I think I think we are seeing a bit more of a leader and a bit more of a captain, um, particularly in his performances. One important point is a lot of people are critical on this show of, who come on and ask questions and everyone's entitled to their opinion of, of Jamal Lascelles. And I've always kind of thought, you know, that I would always probably err on the side of picking him because he's the captain. And I do, I do think he's OK. I think he's limited as a player. But as a leader, I think he's decent. Um, he looks a much, much better player in the last three weeks. And to me, that's absolutely no coincidence that it, it coincides with the goalkeeper change. The two centre-halves look ten times better with a more confident, um, controlling goalkeeper behind them than what they had before. It is absolutely no coincidence. OK, Andrew Malloy, uh, I don't know is the honest answer. You need to ask Gareth. He's in the chat, so just uh, at Gareth Varty and ask him whether it does or not, if it works on Amazon Firesticks. Gareth Davison, yes, it was, mate. I do me walk every day, so it was me on uh, Dunstan Stairs. So next time you see us, give us a shout. Lee Erickton says, uh, evening, lads. It's a dynamic duo on the UFC matters. What's going on with the ASM in the club? Yeah, a lot of social media activity on uh, ASM. Um, a lot of people saying, you know, he shouldn't be flying off to France again. I think, again, it seemed to be a bit of a shock to the club. I mean, I think he's back now. I've seen a variety of photographs of him in airports. I mean, he could have been going or coming, uh, God knows. And now I've seen him on a treadmill and he's uh, on a on a bike in his house apparently um, I mean what's it all about what is going on with the SM lots of rumours flying around at the minute uh, the club are saying it's checks the club are saying they knew about it um, people who've read my two stories over the last couple of days will, will pretty much know the story with the SM um, and I think 
I think it's really questionable. I think it's a really questionable situation. And until the club address that publicly, then I think there's there's issues. We know that there's tensions within the dressing room. We know that there are long-standing, really long-standing um, uh, issues between Steve Bruce and Alan St. Maximin. Um, Alan St. Maximin was actually, we talk about Steve Bruce throwing players under the bus and calling them out. If everyone remembers back rightly to probably the start of last season, he was the first player that, that Steve Bruce did have a little go, a little nibble at thrown under the bus, describing him as very, very difficult to manage, um, a really awkward character, but a good player at the same time. Um, he was the first player that he did that to. Look, it's no it's no coincidence. Um, ask anybody who's been who's heard anything with regards his experiences at his last club at Nice will know he is a difficult character. Um, we've had difficult characters at this football club before. Patton Benarfa is a recent example. There's also been others. Um, they do need a particular type of management. And, and it's my understanding that, that, that Alan St. Maximin is given that leash a little bit, that long leash, just to, to maybe do things that others wouldn't be allowed to do or maybe get away with certain things that others wouldn't, wouldn't get away with. Um, and I do think that kind of approach, when things are going badly and, and it's a time when things, uh, people need to knuckle down, doesn't um, doesn't reflect well in the rest of the squad, who all believe that they're doing the knuckling down that everybody should be doing. Um, look, the lad's injured. He was never going to make it back for Brighton. Um, he's gone home for... Um, look, there's some suggestions it wasn't seven days. Some say it was seven days. Some say it was four. The lad went home to France. Um, we know that he had, according to the club, some checks. The story stood up. Um, was it ethical that he went all that way um, with his family, etc., all that way to, to France? That's another question altogether. Um, it, it, it was also coincidental, potentially. Was it coincidental? It's a question that remains in the air. That on Friday, it was his 24th birthday. He was at home for that. Was it coincidental? Until the club give any definitive statement um, on the reasoning as to why Alan St. Maximin left the country um, and, and had, you know, had issues. Um, and, and coming back and, and, and a number of other things but um, until they make a definitive statement there's going to be a lot of question marks um, about this trip and I know some people out there might think oh well, what, what difference does it make but look I've been tied to my house for 12 months so have you Steve we've all been in the same boat here we're not the ones swanning off if it's a birthday we're not the ones swanning off back, you know go, go, I'm, not, I'm not flying yeah, yeah. next week to, to celebrate a birthday or whatever it may be you know what I mean so, so there is major ethical problems, whether that's football or not. And the issue also was that uh, would this in any way, shape or form delay the potential return um, to the first team of a, of a footballer who is, who is really, really crucial to, to Newcastle United? I've seen a lot of conjecture online and I agree with a lot of it largely. People say Almiron's most important. Callum Wilson's the only one that really matters. If you get him back, that's all that matters. I would actually argue all of them in their own right have a massive value because go back to the 10-game, 11-game winless run that Newcastle United had, only one of those three was missing and, and it was Alan St. Maximin. That was mm. the problem in that team. So suddenly you say, OK, you get Almiron back, you get you get uh, Wilson back. Wilson and Almiron played the large part of those games. They didn't miss those games, they were playing and Newcastle still went on an 11-game winless run, which is why they're in the position that they're in now. Because that form over the last few weeks has been, hasn't been great, but it hasn't been relegation either. It's been ticking a long form, but they've needed more than that because of that ridiculous run from about the 12th of December 
all the way through to mid to, to February or whenever it was. Um, but that, it, it has to be remembered that Alan St. Maximum was was key in in a key missing player in that team. And and if this uh, trip has delayed a potential return to the first team in any way, shape, or form. That's really problematic. I don't believe that. I, I do believe that they've managed to secure the correct papers and everything like that with regards to the trip, um, and and have managed to get the athlete exemption. Um, so I don't think he's going to have to do any quarantining this week. But again, how far was he away from the club's medical staff? How closely was he being monitored? All massive question marks um, that, that sit over this trip. I just think at this point, um, given the situation you can find themselves, it was a very, very ill-thought-out move, either by player or football club. Yep, good points. And uh, Nathan says, loads of natter this week about Bruce. Is there still no appetite to sack him, even if we lose at the weekend? I think it's impossible to say the exact thing in Nathan, but uh, it's a good question. I, I don't believe there is an appetite to sack him, no. That's my that's my opinion based on bits of information that I've got, but I don't believe that he's on the on the verge. If they're going to get beat, if if Fulham win, I think this will play out. This is my my personal opinion again. Um, I think I think Fulham will win on Friday night, and I think Newcastle won't win. I'm not saying Newcastle get beat at Brighton. It might be a draw. They've had a fair few draws with them as well as as well as being outplayed in a lot of games, but they've they've largely drawn with them in, in the Premier League since the return. So I think that's probably, if I was to put my money on anything, I think Fulham will uh, beat Leeds. Um, I just think the hunger will be there. Leeds are wide open. Newcastle scored plenty of goals against Leeds this season and haven't scored many goals against anybody because um, they, they literally can't defend. Um, so I imagine Fulham will have enough to win that game on Friday night. Newcastle will drop in the bottom three and I don't believe Newcastle will beat Brighton. Look, I hope I'm totally wrong. I hope it's exactly the other way around, but that's just the way, given recent form and looking the way things sit, that's what I, that's exactly the way I see it playing out. Okay. Uh, can Liam explain a little more detail from the tweet article earlier, please? Is that the one we talked about earlier? Carla DeBello. I think maybe, maybe. Uh, okay. Lee Marshall, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's Lee Marshall from Newcastle. <laughs> it could be, yeah. Maybe you may be getting live on NUFC matters. Uh, I doubt it, mate. I doubt it. Uh, Joe, Joe Walker, in a word, is Steve Bruce the worst manager in our history? You're not going to like the answer to that question, actually, Joe, because I have Googled it whilst Liam was given an answer to another question. And um, I do remember uh, Newcastle Stats, at Newcastle Stats, the Twitter account going into uh, you know quite a, an in-depth article and it was harry savile who wrote it and i've just got it up here statistically alan shearer is the worst manager we've ever had in our history with a 12 and a half percent win rate i never count alan shearer eight games isn't a managerial career it's a joke um i do however count john carver um who comes in second with a 15 percent win rate 20 games uh played 21 three drawn four lost 13 uh, third place, Ozzy Ardiles, um, played 47, won 10, drew 18, lost 19, win rate 21.27%. Uh, Joe Kinnear, no surprise that he's in the top five, um, thought he'd be a bit higher, of course. Played 18, won 4, drew 8, lost 6, win rate 22.2. And uh, b- bizarre, really, um, we've got also got... Uh, 
Kevin Keegan in there, which I always find strange because it, it, it's it got played 21 and I don't know what he was going on about with that because the rest of the stats are right, but it's got statistically the worst of all time. So he's got it between the 16th of the 1st 08 and 4th of the 9th 08. Now, I think that's a bit daft because obviously he was there during the entertainers era and was very successful. What he's trying to say is that in his second spell at the club, he was... You know, his, his win rate was only 28.57. Played 21, won 6, drew 6, lost 9. Um, so I think Henry let, let himself down a little bit with that um, final uh, person added. But he's going off stats, I suppose, for when time people are there. It's all about opinions, but I hope that answers your question, Joe. Uh, question from Bede. He says... Uh, Question for Stephen Liam. Why does Steve Bruce constantly play the players in the wrong positions and not utilise our squad better? Because he's, he's uh, in terms of team selection, he's very uh, stubborn. Um, I, think, I think there's a childish element to him. I think he's uh, management of conflict within a squad is very, very poor. I think he struggles to look past certain uh, issues that have been brought up for the greater good. That's not a good place to be. I think he lacks uh, good coaches around him who could maybe sort those situations out for him. Um, maybe there's been a bit bit better there with, with Graham Jones, but I don't know enough about the guy really to to comment on that. I think I think um, the one that sticks in my throat is is the two the two long staffs. I think the treatment of them has been absolutely horrific. Um, Sean, not so much, even though he's had the big issue this season and the scapegoat and etc. But the Matty Longstaff stuff's been quite incredible. Um, if you're not going to play the lad, just loan him out. Send him somewhere else to go and play games. Help his development and make him come back a better player for Newcastle United. Unless you've got no interest in that player and making him a better player for Newcastle United. I don't believe Steve Bruce has. I think they've made the same mistake with Elliot Anderson. I think they've hung on to him. Um, and there's been no intention of playing him, no intention at all. They had to get, they had to let him go. There was a lot of good clubs wanted that player and would have taken him, and he would have got games. It might not have worked for him. First loans don't always work. Sometimes second loans are better. But the lads, he could have gone out for two years and come back a much, much better player. They've not done that with Matty Longstaff. Matty Longstaff needs games. They threw him in, in the 23s game because he needs games. It's pathetic. The lad could have been standing in the championship now, playing week in, week out. Even if he even if he went to a desperation club at the bottom of the championship, at least he would be fighting it out and playing. And better better equipped as a footballer, mentally, physically, for next season. He's neither use nor ornament in this squad at the moment. Sean Longstaff, he's got no match fitness, neither use nor ornament in that squad. Uh, Andy Carroll's in the same position, neither use nor ornament. Dwight Gale. Very much neither use nor ornament in this squad because he's got no match fitness. He's never had any game time. Um, it's just been an utter mismanagement of a squad um, from start to finish. As for not playing players in correct positions, um, I think you'll probably be referring to the Dwight Gale, Ryan Fraser one, probably mostly. Um, I think I think that was problematic. I can see. Look, I can see the the theory behind it. I can see why they did what they did. The way that the game panned out, it basically ended up just looking like you had your striker on the wing and, and, a, and a guy filling in at number 10. It hadn't worked out in the, like that in the previous weeks. It had looked like a false nine. Um, it didn't really look like that on on um, Friday night. It, it looked like a, a sort of two wide a two wide strikers with a with a number 10. It was much much more of a deep phrase. I played a much deeper role than what Almiron would have played. Um, 
he was dropping into midfield, etc. And, and it made more sense just to just to put Dwight Gale more central rather than keep that split strikers. I think Joe Linton had a good game. I'm not going to criticise some criticise a lad who puts in a performance like that. That's all I've wanted to see from him. Um, is what we've seen is seen against West Brom and seen in the last game. People out there might be stuck might be stuck in the the idea they can't get past that that he's that he's rubbish. <laughs> and I can't disagree with you. He's been absolute rubbish. But I'm not going to argue with it. The fact that that I will argue with people the fact that I think he had a good game. I think he, I think what this team's lacked is that physicality that Callum Wilson had. And I think uh, what what Joe Linton gave her, which is all we've been crying out for since he came to the club, was he gave her everything Wilson does. He was an absolute handful. He was a bit of a handful against West Brom as well. He gave up everything that Wilson does outside of the 18-yard box. Inside of it, he was Joel in the ball. There isn't, there isn't a striker in there, but but I can't fault him because of the, a lot of the really good work that he did around that. Um, and and I would I would stick with him. Look, I called for him to go and be out the team last week. And, and this is all I want from players. Personally, as a fan, I want to see them prove us wrong. I don't want to see anybody have to be ditched because I want everybody doing well. I want John Joe Shelby to go and prove me wrong. I want John Joe Shelby to go and, uh, for the last 10 games, I want four or five man of the matches and I want him to score three or four goals and create a load more. I want him to prove me wrong. I don't want Newcastle United players to fail. I just don't think, I think I think we know them by now though. Um, Joe Linton's never going to score goals. So they can't be relying on him as a striker to score goals. John Joe Shelby is not going to put a shift in for you. He's not a leader. Uh, he's not an experienced player who anybody can look up to. He's a bit of a charlatan, to be honest, especially with his comments on Steve Bruce the other week, um, <laughs> knowing what it's like behind the scenes. Um, and he's not the type of player I would have anywhere near my team. But I want him to go and prove us wrong all the same. I want him to go and win games for Newcastle United because we need to stay in this division. I had a couple of conversations with people on Twitter today. People have been quite active. And, and a couple of people have come to us and said, you know what, if it gets rid of Bruce, I want to get relegated. I have to agree to disagree on those those kind of conversations. I don't want to drop out of this division. I don't care that Newcastle United are just existing in the Premier League. The fact that, that there is a potential takeover and people want to buy Newcastle United is because they're existing in the Premier League. Yes, they could be better and deserve to be better, but it's because they're in the Premier League. However, they're getting by in the division. There'll not be as many people interested and it'll be a much harder, more complicated sale if Newcastle United aren't in that division. And I genuinely feel if Newcastle United remain a Premier League club, even if, even if, say for example, they can't push through this PIF deal in its current format in any way, they can't get in. It's not necessarily that deal or whatever it may be. Um, I do believe it's a much, it's more much closer to the Ashley End game um, if Newcastle United remain in the the Premier League. If they drop out, I think we're in dangerous territory that he might just hang on and play out the, the play out another definite twelve months interest-free loan the football club, some money to get them back up. If that doesn't work, we've never been in that territory before. That would be uncharted and nobody knows what he would do then. Um, and I think we could be in, in really dangerous territory. So no, don't want to drop out of this division. Like some people seem to be accepting fate. I get I get the um, I get the malaise. I get that. I get the feeling that there is around this football club. But Believe me, like dropping out of this division is not the answer. Even if in the short term it's the stick and plaster that gets rid of Steve Bruce. Really, you get rid of Steve Bruce, is Mike Ashley then going to go and appoint Rafa Benitez? Rafa Benitez isn't queuing up or Rafa Benitez type manager is not queuing up like Rafa did to come into a football club that he saw as a vision and, and, and a club he could make in his own image with, with, with everything there to, to succeed apart from an owner. 
managers like that won't be queuing up. If you get rid of Steve Bruce in the summer, it's going to be another Steve Bruce. That's who it's going to be, as Mike Ashley is the owner. It'll be Graham Jones. And then when Graham Jones doesn't work because he's not a manager, it'll be Eddie Howe. And then if Eddie Howe doesn't work, which he failed, he's failed in a couple of jobs ultimately in the end, it'll be Tony Pulis or it'll be Mark Hughes or it'll be, it'll be some rubbish. Neil like Warnock. That. And we're still... Neil, well, I, oh, well, I tell you what, I would oh, in a heartbeat you would swap for Neil Warnock. He's a character and he gets a reaction out of players. He's a positive man, isn't he? Would you, swap, he would you swap the lead, Johnston? I don't, I don't, do you know what? And this is going to sound really condescending, but it's not meant to be. I, I've never watched Sunderland for two years. Well, I watched the, I watched the game of the, I watched the game of the weekend, um, you know, in the Pizza Cup or whatever it was called, and uh, a fair play to them. They're on the up. They're on, they're, they're recovering yeah. from from a horrendous few yeah. years. Um, but it, it just shows, you know, that they've finally got somebody in who has got the respect of the players, and now they've got a new owner. Um, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a bounce back. It'll be interesting to see. Anyway, we've got to stop you there, Liam. Uh, big shout out to the sponsors, Spider VPN, uh, who've been involved with us for the last two months now. And uh, big shout out to Jordy Riffs, premium guitar lessons for beginners and children, guitar repairs and servicing, recording studio. Give them a follow on Jordy Riffs official on Facebook. Uh, find them at www.jordyriffs.co.uk website. Give them a follow on Instagram, though. That's what they're desperate for this month. Uh, give them a follow on Instagram, and it's at Geordie Riffs. Also, a big shout-out to John from qtechshop.co.uk, who uh, started Steve Bruce's Tea Party, which was a bit of a laugh this afternoon. Uh, give them a shout-out, and uh, look for the hashtag Steve Bruce's Tea Party um, on my Twitter timeline. Some interesting guests came along to that this afternoon. And uh, also, a big shout-out to John Owen from Jab Signature, the maker of our flyers and posters. And uh, if you're the first-time visitor of the channel and you're enjoying it and you want to come back, um, hit the subscribe button, it's free, down in the bottom right hand corner, just click the Newcastle Legends badge and you can subscribe, hit the little thumb up to like the video and click share which shares it to your social media to help us build the community, if you miss any of the episodes jump onto your podcast providers such as iTunes and Spotify and you can find us on there, just search NUFC Matters and uh, I did say there was going to be a competition for those of you in the chat, so your question um, and the, the first five correct answers will be put into the hat. And Gareth Farty, who's in the chat from Spider VPN, will give you the answer. This is a cartoon character called Spider Man. But what is his real name? So that's Spider Man. What is his real name in the comic books? First five answers in the chat. Gareth, I'll leave you to monitor that. And. Uh, we will call out the winner at the end of the show. Do you know the answer to that without giving it away, Liam? I, look, I do, but there's two of them, isn't there? Nah, that's the there's one. I'm worried about. That's why I said the comic Just book. The the that's why I said the, that's why I said the comic book. That's why I didn't say the film. Yeah, I had to think. Yeah. I was double checking because I'm a <laughs> Spider-Man fan myself. But yeah. In the film, uh, it's different, I think. But yeah, I said it's in the comics, so uh, it's over to Gareth. Um, and already there's a couple of uh, correct answers I can see, so it's over to Gareth in the chat. I'll leave that to you. Let us know before the end who won. Um, Michael Hurst, 
Hi Steve, Liam, how are you both? Uh, do you think we'll sign Willock permanently? I don't see him getting a game at Arsenal. Has been talk of that, um, of course, on Newcastle's uh, TV channel. He's come out and said that he would like to stay. Um, what's your views on that? Uh, I think it's it's far too early to say. I don't think he'll stay if Newcastle United are in the division below. So, no, I think it's far too early to stay, to say it, to be honest. I think, um, I think he looks like a talented player. I think he looks like a talented player who looks like he needs games. Um, he fits the system perfectly. I, I really like him, to be honest. I think he drifts in and out a little bit of games. You can see why he hasn't succeeded, despite playing actually quite a lot of first-team games at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I, I really like him. I think he brings an energy. Uh, he's a good ball carrier. He's good with ball at feet. Um, and I think uh, with uh, Callum Wilson and Miguel Almiron back in the team, I think we'll see him burst into the box a lot more um, in, in later games in the season. So... Yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. And if Newcastle United remain in the division, the bare minimum I'll be looking to do is bring him back in on loan because I think he's a player that there's a guaranteed uh, to improve our midfield, the players that we had already. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like him. I know he's, he's split opinion with some people, um, but yeah, I think he's I think he's a player of some talent. Um, but if Newcastle United are in the division below, I just don't see I don't see why that that comes to fruition. Plus, I would say if you're going to talk about permanent deals, he's probably going to be worth quite a bit of money. He has that young, um, young England youth premium, um, so I think I don't think you're going to be talking about a cheap deal. And I think one problem that um, uh, a lot of clubs, Newcastle included, whether they stay in the division or not, um, are going to have a big problem on the financial front. Um, there's not going to be the money washing around that we've seen in previous years. I know we predicted that last summer. It didn't quite turn out that way, but it was a slightly depressed uh, summer transfer window. I think you're going to see a massively depressed summer transfer window. There are going to be certain deals that will mean some clubs are awash with bits of money here and there. Um, but I just don't see uh, your midland clubs who are, are really struggling with the snow fans in the ground, uh, um, reduced, um, reduced commercial uh, revenue, um, re reduced advertising, reduced everything. Um, I just don't see them splashing out the same kind of money that they've done um, in previous seasons. Um, also, there's going to be rebates to pay on TV deals, etc. I think I just think this summer will be, it'll be, you'll see a lot. I've said it on here the past few weeks when people have asked transfers. I think you'll see a lot of a lot of loan with obligations, where people will, uh, clubs will basically just pass transfers a season down the line, um, permanent big money deals. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of that, a lot of a lot of deals, and and that could be a, that could um, be a problem or a blessing. Who knows if Newcastle United do get relegated? Because there'll be some players that we, we wouldn't ideally, if you know, if you're wanting to build a team, you wouldn't want to lose. Some players may not leave because they might not be able to get out effectively. They might not be the club may be asking for X, and clubs might only want to pay Y. And these some of these players might not leave in the end. Um, but also by the same token. Newcastle wouldn't wouldn't really be able to strengthen either because there isn't going to be a lot of money there. It's it's going to be a strange summer. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But um, I think Newcastle United, if Willett moves again in the summer, Newcastle United will be part of that conversation. Um, whether they can then do a deal is another thing altogether. Uh, Paul, looking ahead to the weekend, says, do you think we should start Big Andy on Saturday and Almiron? If he's fit, of course. Huge game. We need to win. I think it would take a hammering from Brighton for us to sack Bruce. Don't think it'll happen. Uh, I mean, you know, Andy Carroll again playing his part. I, I thought Murphy again, who, I who I've called for, you know, being back in the team because of his creativity, um, you know, proved a, a point to Bruce as well by uh, setting up the goal. Um, but, you know, what's your take on, on that lineup against Brighton? No, I wouldn't start Andy Carroll personally. Um, 
I just don't think he's. I don't think he's got a place in the team on uh, Saturday at all. He started in that game earlier this season, didn't he? In the four four, the four four two, when he casting it, were totally embarrassed on the second week of the season. Really were embarrassed within half an hour. Were they not three 0 down? We've got something. We've got something to play for now, and you know me. I'm not Andy's biggest fan these days. But um, if it comes between playing a forty million pound striker who you've already said tonight can't hit a barn door, can't you know, won't score yeah. goals, um, or putting Andy Carroll in for the opening half at least, you know, letting him run riot and, and putting the kind of effort in which saw a loose ball fall to Murphy for him to cross in and Newcastle to equalise. You know, you're gonna. I, I'm, I'm erring more towards playing local lads who know what it's all about. And Jacob Murphy, Newcastle fan, wants wants Newcastle to stay up. Um, you know, as much as you and I do. Um, Andy Carroll will want Newcastle to stay up as much as you and I do. Paul Dummett will want Newcastle to stay up as much as you and I do. You can see where I'm going with this. But yeah. you know, without wanting to sound like Sir John Hall um, and wanting a team full of Geordies. I think that's where we're at at the minute, and I think I would much rather have people who are willing to, you know, run through a brick wall for us because because they love the club, um, and and if we get beat trying, I don't mind. But you know, some of these players are they're not putting a hundred percent in in black and white shirt, and they're letting us down and they're letting the club down. What I would say, um, and the reason why I'm saying no Andy Carroll largely is because I've. I understand that Miguel Almiron's got a very, very good chance of being involved in the team on Saturday. Um, and if if there's half a chance that they, they think they'll get an hour out of Almiron, which I think they're airing awards, may well be in the team, not on, not just on the bench. There is an opportunity maybe in the team. And if he can be in that team, then Andy Carroll doesn't really get close for me because then I think the system stays the same. I think Joe Linton did enough in the last game um, to, to stay in the team. I think it's the other position that um, becomes um, a bit problematic. Do you, I think Jacob Murphy's uh, got to find a place in this side. Whether that's as a right-back, depending on the fitness of Mankio. Um, he seems to have been playing Mankio very uh, cutely, not not wanting to throw him in for some reason. There's obviously some issue there with his fitness. Um, obviously, I would play Mankio right-back if I could, but the other position that, that is massively up for grabs for me is the Ryan Fraser one. I thought Ryan Fraser was rubbish. On uh, Saturday, I think I think there's been slight improvements from Ryan Fraser um, in the system in recent weeks when he's been asked to play. But I think he was rubbish on uh, Friday night. Sorry, I think Dwight Gale was rubbish on Friday night. So I think that if Almiron plays, Joe Linton plays, I think there's the one position in your talk, and it's probably between um, uh, Jacob Murphy, Ryan Fraser, and uh, Dwight Gale. And for me, like I said, like we were saying before, I, I would uh, probably go for a Jacob Murphy. Mm. Um, and at this point in time, because look, the lad drifts in and out of games. He's not a 90 minute player. That's not for his fitness. He just drifts in and out. He's that type of winger who will not always be involved in everything, but he's got pace. He can break. He can beat a man. He can find a yard in the box. He's got a good strike with left and right foot. Um, and he's got a good delivery. And I think, I think, um, I think playing him in some way, shape or form um, probably should, or at least giving him a, a good half an hour off the bench. Um, in the second half, they've got to get Jacob Murphy in there. I think Andy Carroll, to me, is still, um, even if fully fit, I think he's still the impact man at this stage. And I think I think he's still up. I would like to see him get more than three minutes. Don't get us wrong. I think I think he should. Or oh, thirty seconds. <laughs> thirty seconds. An embarrassment, wasn't it? Um, 
look, the lad's crying out for games. He's putting things on social media saying, look at me, I need to play, I want to play. He wants to stay in this area. He's from here. He's, he bleeds black and white just like us. He wants to be in the team. I think it's an embarrassment. Again, I talked about, we'll go back to what I said earlier in the show about squad management. I think the squad management has been horrific. If Andy Carroll... Look, look back on the season and you say, Dwight Gale, Andy Carroll, you went to the start of the season, you cast have got three strikers. Don't cast Joe Linton, he's not really a striker, is he? So you've got three strikers. Dwight Gale's your backup, and um, and Andy Carroll's probably your three, your impact man. We've seen the amount of minutes between Dwight Gale and, and Andy Carroll's been pathetic. Been yeah, because it's obvious he's fell out with Bruce, and that, and that's the problem. Gale's fall, fallen out with Bruce. I, I mean, you know, I, I've pointed it on the show before, but the you know, in that in the, when we, in Project Restart, he came back and he was firing on all cylinders. We saw the real Dwight Gale. Um, you know, he was never a prolific Premier League goal scorer. He always scored more goals in the Championship, but he'd always get you ten at least in the Premier League, yeah. and that's not a bad return, especially when you're a team at the bottom. Had we had the same Dwight Gale who finished last season and coming in full of energy and full of a of, 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 of summer's pre-train, pre-season training, then I think we would have, would have hit the ground running. But, you know, whatever's happened has happened and, you know, Bruce is to blame for that. Um, Gail and him have yep. fell out and that's it. Andy Carroll, we know, will never... Never be the same Andy Carroll he was ten years ago. What what player is, um, and we we'll and Joe Linton we know isn't a goal scorer. So you know we always knew that if we lost Wilson, then we'd be up against it. But to lose Wilson, Almiron and Gale um, and and Almiron ASM all at the same time has been an absolute bloody nightmare. Typical of Newcastle's look. We might get away with it with the skin of our teeth. I think it's still 50-50 as to whether Newcastle go down. We've only got about 15 minutes left, so I want to try and get through a few yeah. more questions. I like this one from Kieran. It's a bit deep again, but uh, he says, when you ponder the gloomy yet clearly imminent prospect of us going down this season, Liam, will it hurt you more personally or professionally? Personally? Personally, personally? that's it. That's it's not even... Yeah, it's not even in debate. It's a really good question, to be honest, Kieran. I'm not waffle on too long, but professionally, I've still got a job at the end of the day, and it's not going to be as good um, watching Premier League football. But it's going to hit us right in the heart. It's hit us right in the heart if we get relegated again. So personally, yeah, Alex G. Uh, he says, uh, do either of you think Brucey will play a striker up front at any point before Wilson is back, or continue to ignore them or play them out of position for no apparent reason? I mean, that's obviously pointing to the fact that he did play Fraser up front. I mean, and again, Fraser for me, um, you know, not not the Fraser I was expecting. Um, but again, um, probably if you remember a bit earlier in the season, he was he was one of those who looked as if he seemed to have had some kind of fallout with Bruce because he was fully fit. Um, you know, he's on the bench. Dying to get on, and yet he he was ignoring him at that start of the you know the start of the campaign once he was back to full fitness. I don't think it's necessarily been a fallout, but there are issues with regards to Ryan Fraser, and I have been since the day he walked through the door. Um, not only on the fitness front, um, I think it's it's one of those things that that look we're in the position we're in now, and we do need players like him to 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 step up the plate. And I think he has largely been much better than he was earlier in the season when called upon. He was, he was largely anonymous when, when he did get those rare opportunities. But again, it was squad management. It didn't really make sense. Steve Bruce, for example, at the start of the season with Ryan Fraser, would go, uh, he would do a Matty Longstaff with him. He would he would go weeks and have him on the bench, on the bench, and then he would be come back to fitness. And he would throw him in for 90 minutes, and then he wouldn't see him again. And then he'd pick up an injury, and then that was the end of that. I don't think the squad management's been very good at all. I think Steve Bruce has had a... a, a of, We'll call him a poor manager. I think even by his poor management standards, he's had a shocker this season with uh, keeping his squad um, happy, 
keep the players happy, not falling out with anybody and everybody. He's even fell out with the cornerstones of that squad, the ones who were welcoming him through the door and, and ushering Rafa Benitez out the back door um, and, and put the welcome mat down for Steve Bruce, Matt Ritchie, um, no, Matt Ritchie, that's, that's who it was. Um, yeah, so look, he's even upset players like that. He's upset players like Isaac Hayden, who played with him. He signed Isaac Hayden um, for Hull City the season before Newcastle United ended up signing him on a permanent deal. He had him on loan from Arsenal for a season. Um, these are players who, who've gone from being absolute uh, Bruce fans to totally against the man. That is quite an incredible position to find yourself in as a manager, a manager of men. Is to to find to look around the dressing room, and I, I would be very surprised if you can call any of them a friend, or call, or call any of them um, somebody on his side. I think there's a lot of foes in that dressing room, and it's been good to see that the players have, have, have um, they haven't uh, rallied under the Bruce umbrella. They've they've just took it upon themselves to to sort of uh, pull out performances. Is that going to be enough? I'm, I'm with you, Steve. I think I think uh, it's I think it's it's a fifth. Is it a fifty-fifty? I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I think it's going to be very, very tight. Very tight if Newcastle gets in this division. Uh, later, Kieran uh, is on a, on a run. He says, for both Steve and Liam, if you could ask Steve Bruce two questions behind closed doors, no hiding or dodging, what would you ask him? Uh, firstly, I would say, how's the bacon? Did you say? <laughs> Um, seriously, what would you ask him? Um, you know, you get the opportunity as a journalist sometimes to ask him questions if you're not banned. Um, what what would you ask Steve Bruce if you if you got into him tomorrow? I think one interesting one that I know has been kicking around the fan base would be to ask him, "Are you a Newcastle United fan?" I think that would be an interesting question to ask him. Yeah, it was mentioned. There seemed to be quite—I don't know who it was—but it seemed like quite an inexperienced questioning of Steve Bruce in the post-match interview um, the other day after the game, um, and, and it was mentioned to him about being a fan. You're a fan of this football club, and his facial expression told told a lot. So I'd be quite interested to get him on a lie detector test and ask him if he really is a fan of Newcastle United. Classic. That would be a classic question. Yeah, it's a good one to ask. I think that's probably the best the best answer that we could probably both come up with, uh, to be honest. B. Taylor says, do you think Bruce will be relishing the possibility of 10,000 fans back for the last home game? I've been against this, mate. Um, completely against no, it. I don't think it's I don't think it's a good idea at all. And especially not when it could go to the wire and Newcastle could have a disadvantage home and away because... You know, 10,000 people shouting at Steve Bruce isn't going to benefit anybody. And uh, 10,000 people who are supporting Fulham on the last game of the season, if it goes to that, is certainly not going to benefit Newcastle. So, for me, I'm against it. What's your thoughts on that? See, I'm for it. I, 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 I want fans back in, in stadiums, whether it's small, large amounts, I'm for it. Um, and, and I would probably argue that um, the 10,000 that did get into the stadium in the second last game of the season would, wouldn't be focusing their anger on Steve Bruce, being brutally honest. I think a lot of people, we're not, we're not a daft bunch. I think if, if points were on the line and the Cassie native players needed the support, I think a lot of people would largely put the Steve Bruce stuff aside for a small amount of time. Obviously, if things started going badly, I think it would turn very, very toxic very quickly with those 10,000 fans in. But I do think people would get behind the, the players and it might just be the kick up the backside that some of them would need for that little bit of accountability of people watching them, not just at the end of a TV camera, um, that, that maybe some of them some of them have needed. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, for me, I just I, how do you pick them? You know, the fan base has been yeah. split. You know, down the middle again. You know, it's, Newcastle United is such a divided fan base at the moment. That in itself is going to divide fans even more. Um, I just, I just think it's going to be an absolute storm. But I don't think it'll come to that anyway because I, I genuinely feel that what's happening in the in the in the world at the moment with COVID will dominate. And I, I still think we're, you know we're still at the end of a, a pretty long dark tunnel. I, I know people. Think think the vaccines you know bringing us a bit of light and I'm, i hope it does and I'm, I'm sure it will in in long term but I, i'm still very very doubtful that um, we will get back to normal and don't forget i do i do events i promote events and um you know yeah i've got a couple booked in but i've, I've cancelled most of my events I've, I've i've more or less gone with a couple which Ticket sales have remained the same. People haven't cancelled, um, but you know, more or less every single thing that I've I've had booked in, I've more or less cancelled because I I genuinely don't think we'll see normality as we know it until next year, and I still don't think we'll see football fans back in the stadium until next season. I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, and and what do I base it on? I just base it on a hunch. But pandemics don't just last one year you know what i mean and you know theoretically the, the last two to three years and i just i just hope i'm wrong but we'll see we'll see uh, i'm sure that's a debate that will run and run and run uh congratulations to tom lynch he is the winner of the spider vpn system and uh he gets the router he gets 12 months free subscription uh tom if you can drop me uh, a message with your address uh he guessed that peter parker is uh, Spider-Man's alias, and uh, that was in the comic books, of course, which I used to write, uh, read as a child. So uh, Peter Parker was the answer. Lots of correct uh, names, but that was the name that was pulled out of the hat by Gareth at Spider VPN. We'll be doing another one of those next Tuesday. So uh, good luck with that. That protects all your internet and uh, very useful. Very useful. Stops you having identity fraud and all of that kind of stuff. So well done, mate. Well done. Um, Liam, where was Graham Jones at the weekend? He wasn't seen on the touchline. Was he stuck in the stands? Didn't see him doing his applause next to Bruce before the game against Villa. Yeah, again, conspicuous by his absence. I didn't read much into it. I thought he must be in the stand again, was he? Uh, which is where he normally is pre, you know, pre-kickoff, pre-match first half. Yeah, he was in the stand a little bit, but he was he was he was it's it's an unfair reflection to be honest with the TV stuff. Um, obviously, I checked through photographs, photographers who were at the ground, and he was he was on the touchline quite a bit to be honest. Um, it's just you don't really see that on the TV, so it's a bit of a red herring that one. Unfortunately, I had a lot of people get in touch with the same where's Graham Jones, and I, I kind of sent the same Getty picture to them over and over, which is through the second half, and Jones is there in the dugout alongside Bruce and the other coaches. Yeah, um, just uh, seeing Tom saying I didn't think I was first. You didn't have to be first, Tom. You went into a hat, um, and it was pulled out by Gareth. He uh, he wrote uh, the names down, the first ten names I think he put down, and um, pulled them out of a hat, Tom. So well done, son. Uh, Craig College, Liam, do you know if arbitration started yet, or will they be waiting until we are safe from relegation? Uh, it's all confidential, being brutally honest. So I don't think we will know when it's when the arbitration hearing has started. No, I don't think we will find that out. Look, there's rumours flying about. There's always going to be this this sort of uh, really crucial period. But no, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't think we'll find out. I think the only indication we'll get uh, we're arbitration more than likely, if it all goes to plan, is that is that it's done and, and this has been found and that or that hasn't been found. There won't be. There is unlikely to be any kind of big announcement like there was previously. 
Um, that was because the, the club won it, won it. Well, the club's legal people won a particular case to, to get the judgment that was made in the High Court released. I don't believe there'll be the same kind of detail and judgment released at the end of the arbitration. Um, but yeah, I mean, time scales. People always ask me about time scales, and it's how long is a piece of string? Something could last. You know, you could go into an arbitration. It could last a few hours. It could last a few days. It could last weeks, months. Who knows? You li- we literally do not know on this one. I suspect it isn't going to be that that long. But again, nobody can say with any degree of certainty. We just have to hope things move along um, at a decent speed um, and things fall in, in the favour of Newcastle United's legal team. Um, who they, they couldn't have better people fighting for them um, in the, the particular fields. Um, but has it started yet? Craig, I don't know. Yes, I'm sure we'll find out in due course what is going on there. And uh, I suppose we can finish off with uh, uh, Paul Gascoigne jumping out of the helicopter. Liam, have you been watching that? On uh, I think the uh, one of the newspapers has already got the exclusive, but uh, uh, Gaza uh, is... when he was coming in. Yeah, Gaza is uh, obviously on the Italian version of I'm a Celebrity and uh, did a little dance on his way in. Uh, he's joined in with the first challenge. He jumped out of a helicopter um, and uh, he says he plans to donate his £100,000 euro prize if he wins to set up um, a, a charity in his uh, nephew's memory, which uh, is is great, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 not football related, but he uh, he's somebody who uh, you know wore the Newcastle shirt and England shirt with pride. What was your thoughts on that? I think it's quite it's it's entertaining, isn't it? As long as as long as that um, thinking about the bad places that, that Gaza's been in, I don't know Gaza personally at all. Um, I know you've dealt with him. As long as he's in a good place mentally. And, and is is um, positive in, in his mindset and what he's doing, then it's just a bit of fun. And it looks to me from the little videos that I've seen so far that he's having a bit of fun with it. So fair play, fair play to him. No, fair play to him. Uh, John Setters has said, what has happened with Keith at NCSL? Is Keith still soldiering on? Yes, yeah, 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 John. He's still, still soldiering on. Like I said, it's a re- I've said before previously, it's a really complex situation. And, and ultimately, all will become clear in time. Uh, John from QTech says, everyone who didn't get drawn out of the hat for the Spider VPN must roll their sleeves up and soldier on. Don't forget, Tom is a very good hat drawer and hopefully luck will change. <laughs> S. Bruce, brilliant. We'll leave the comments with that. Thanks for all your interaction tonight. Liam, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so um, I work for the Shields Gazette. If anybody out there who watches this doesn't know by now, um, and you'll find me on Twitter if you just search for me at Liam J Kennedy twenty three. Um, you'll find my work there. If you like the kind of stuff that I do on here, um, give us a follow. Um, and if you like the stuff that the kind of stuff that I've written today, for example, Carla DiBello, you'll get five free articles a week. Um, beyond that, you'll have to pay a subscription. One of the benefits of a subscription at this year's Gazette is obviously you get all the takeover, you cast news, you get news from other clubs as well, uh, other sports as well, um, but you don't get the ads. And I see a lot of people complain about the ads. Um, God, there's more ads than there is words. That's what pays the bills effectively. And if you pay a subscription, it's ad light. Most of that, all, well, most virtually all of that comes out. So I would urge anybody, it's only a couple of quid for a couple of weeks. Um, you get loads of loads of the type of content that we discuss on here, loads of the type of content that, uh, that is on my Twitter feed, if you have a look. And every so often you might get Steve Wraith popping up as well, because he's he's a guest on, on my own podcast, The Mouth of the Time. 
yeah i do enjoy it it's always good to get on with you and miles when uh, when i can uh plenty of uploads coming uh, over the next few weeks um i've been delving back into the uh unlicensed boxing archives some of you who know uh, my involvement with the local boxing team will know that i brought unlicensed boxing to tyneside with the likes of gary furby uh, pictured there the duke of windy nook um i'm uploading uh, all of my fights um individually uh, so they're only 10 minutes some of them 15 minute uh, segments uh, the first one went up the other night the second one has gone up today uh, well worth a watch crack and fight that i've uploaded tonight um which is frankie foster versus Stu rimmer and um, they fought in the amateurs they fought professionally and then they had that farewell fight uh, on my show you won't believe it when you watch it what an entertaining fight that would have been great as a pay-per-view fight well worth a watch if you've got 10 minutes or 15 minutes of uh, your time uh, tonight uh, the Charlie Salvador aka Bronson interviews are still ongoing as well I know that Liam's been uh, thoroughly enjoying listening to those um, oh. so they they con they continue as well. They'll be continuing running on the channel until Sunday, and uh, I am back tomorrow night at six o'clock until seven with uh, the lads with uh, George and Neil Mitchell, Steve Hasty, Stu Penman, and Steve Wilkinson. When we look back at Newcastle United's games against Coventry City, looking forward to that. Some interesting games to uh, to talk about, and of course uh, our usual segments, which are celebrity fans and. Uh, players who played for both Coventry and for Newcastle United. Thursday night, of course, sees me back with Supermac and Gibbo at 6-7, and then it's back to Friday and the three amigos. So uh, plenty going on on the channel, and uh, as always, we'll be keeping you up to date with what's going on at St. James's Park. Uh, Liam, great to see you, mate. Have a good week. I will see you next Tuesday, mate. Same to you, Steve. Only way you're ever gonna learn your love